in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to the brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am one of your hosts, John Roca. And I am Matt Nost, futzing with my volume control right now as we <laughs> jump into this. It's going to be strange because you get to, so your camera's what, right above your screen? Yeah, right above my screen. That's where I set it yeah. after doing a couple of weeks, yeah. Yeah, so you can lock straight in and actually pay attention to my face as you're yeah. looking straight into camera and whatnot. I have to look off and look at you and then look down to sell it and then look up at you to see reaction. And it's this back and forth. Uh, (laughs) I I told you my, my camera on my laptop is just above the keyboard. Right. I have my freaking laptop. Here is my chin in essence. And this is where I have to type. So my mouse is a foot and a half below that. (laughs) Well, it's the top 10 now. I mean, this is, with the coronavirus and everything going around, you know, and then that stay-at-home order that Gavin Newsom just passed last night. I, I mean, I'm I'm loath to leave the house for any reason, shape, or form because hearing what this thing actually does to your lungs and my history of bronchitis, it really, I actually legitimately do fear this thing. And it does scare me uh, to a degree. The fact that Lindley keeps working where she's working, uh, it kind of frustrates me overall because they've already found three cases uh, at that place that she works. Uh, so that... Oh. So that concerns me overall, what, what the situation is going to be with her. But, you know, they see her as essential for right now. And when people are losing their jobs, you're getting laid off. It's not a negative for her to be sticking around there for uh, as long as she can stay safe and stay healthy. But it does concern me. So that's what we're doing, why we're doing this in this way oh, yeah. and trying it out. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the midst of what everybody else is going through. There's yeah. literally nothing you can say that, that pr- anybody watching has had the same exact thought. Uh, <laughs> It's weird. It is. It is weird. Flat out. Yeah, your knowledge of science, Matt, your knowledge of all like, what's your reaction to all of this as it's been going on? What is, yeah. My question to you. Yeah. Oh, this was like day three, because if you go on Netflix, all disaster films are top of the queue, baby. Yeah. What is what's trending right now? I watched 2012 just to see if it was as mediocre as I remember. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with me now? When we did natural disasters, I put contagion on, and you said, that's not a natural disaster. And I'm like, dude, Spanish flu, because I had read a book like two years previous. It was like, that was a fucking disaster. Yeah, no, I. you know what? It's weird. I don't necessarily conventionally see it as a disaster, because in my mind, disaster is like, you know, an act of God in some way, or a crashing of a plane or a ship or something like that. But that's that like- being said... This earthquake, pretty, yeah, you're right. Earthquake, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, but this you could say is a disaster because of the reaction that everyone is having to it and the economic reaction to it as well. So, yeah, I guess I would concede, even though it doesn't fit my my mental con, uh, uh, definition of it. I think you can't deny that it is considered a disaster film. And you're right, man, it's insane. I, last night we were strolling on Netflix to see what we wanted to watch, and we just see recommended, it, and it's like 
contagion, outbreak. Uh, yeah, we used to 20, yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I was like, what is wrong with people that this is popular on Netflix right now? They want to go back and watch these things. What is wrong with people, man? It's, you know, that's what all they're thinking about. Maybe they want to see us win, you know, because <laughs> one of those movies is us winning. And we kind of, we need that pep talk right now. So remember the Titans <laughs> moment. Where are the fucking strings coming in? Lift us up. I got it there. All right. Good to know. Good to know on that one. Which camera right. is, which way is panning? Yeah, right side, strong side. <laughs> you think so? I like it. I like it. But yeah, I know it's it's weird. I mean, everything is changing on the fly and uh, everyone's reacting to it on the fly. And I don't know what the end result's going to be because, like, I don't know about you, but I, I've heard from a number of people who've reached out to me who work still back on the East Coast and mm-hmm. work with the Department of Defense and on the DL, they they were telling me that this was coming, that this was getting going to get worse before it got better. And I don't mean uh, worse for people like dying in the streets. I mean stuff being shut down for a while. And so mm. I think we're in the initial stages for now. Uh, I don't know how much of what's coming out of China is true. This idea of like the Apple stores are back are back open. They're going to look at opening theaters again. I don't know how much yeah. contained it, but you hope it's true, just so that can be a model for all these other nations, including us, afterwards. Well, yeah, the worst case projection models are 18 months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 18 months of this. This is, you know, on some level, this is going to define our generation of our civilization. Yeah, it's a great point, actually. First, you know, first true, we recognize that as it's happening, global pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's strange. No, so let's go back to you, because I asked you this question before you asked me the question. As a guy of science, is this shocking to you? Is this like something that you no. like, like you like is the did you already did you always see something like this coming? Oh, I don't know about that, but the inevitability of something like this, sure. Yeah. Uh just with how quickly we interconnect now and the high basically uh, contagiency level of any random flu, and then you add the uh various areas in the world that it crops up and now more people are going into those areas and it's just getting out much easier. And once it transfers over, we don't have natural immunity, immunity to it. So yeah. it's a motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so you gotta stay inside, you know, dude, I, the weird thing is a lot of people that I know are in, that are in the top like percentile demographic are just this nonchalant, like Bleh, whatever. And you're like, Really? It's got a low chance for me, but for you, you're in double digits. <laughs> Just the cavalier attitude. I fucking, it's impressive. I hope I got those kind of stones when it's I'm like kind, 85. It's- yeah, it's kind of shocking to be honest with you, Matt. I mean, I'm just like I'm listening to people who are so cavalier about like for the other day, like the other day, I went to go get a breakfast sandwich in El Segundo. I was just in the mood. The cleaners were here. I had a couple hours to kill. I'm like, F it, I'm gonna drive over to El Segundo and get a sandwich from this coffee place I really enjoy. Uh, and of course it's closed, it's it's only to go orders, but there mm-hmm. is 10 people sitting outside at tables, nowhere near six feet away from each other. Just casually having breakfast and having coffee and talking. Spring break, bro. Spring break. (laughs) We've been fucking planning this for two months, bro. Two months. These were not young people. This fucking, I know. know. (laughs) Old people. The young people I expected from to be different. Right. You just expect it. 
Um, I had friends like that. I was never that big a dipshit, but I was joking <laughs> dumb. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's the old people. It's all over the place, though. Some people just don't, just like birds up in the air. They're like, right. Like you're hearing, the, like, uh, what's her phrase? Evangeline, Evangeline Lilly did that Instagram post, and she was just like, oh, I'm not going to be constrained by, I just dropped my daughter off a gymnastics class. I'm like, what? Gymnastics class? Oh. Like, yeah, I'm not going to be constrained. I have, I'm an American. I need freedom. And I was like, what are you talking about? What about the Vanessa Hudgens? Oh, man. Did you watch that video? <laughs> of course I did. Of course I did. My favorite was, I think, the second comment down, someone said, she's 31. <laughs> Everything was, and like, you know, it's like, doesn't seem that bad. Like, and I didn't realize it. I don't, she's not a part of my life. Right, right, right. So I don't know. I don't have the slightest clue what her age is going to be. And just, she's 31. You're like, oh my fucking God. What kind of state of arrested mental development? Are you just stuck at 16? <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, people are going to die. Yeah, but I, it's mostly old people. So fuck them. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> the beauty is, is her job exists on the goodwill of society at large. If we right. all say we don't fucking like you, you're out of a job. That's yep. the only that politicians. There's very few that exist at that level. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is why she issued those two apologies right afterwards where she was trying to save her ass and save her brand uh, and all this. I know Chrissy Teigen came out and tried to defend her. So I said stupid shit when I was younger. Yeah, there's a difference between saying stupid shit and saying stupid shit. And especially with something like a pandemic, this is not a yeah. Instagram moment to have a commentary about the crash or something. Like this is like legitimate real shit that people are dying. And you should go get your fucking ass educated if you're going to shoot your mouth off on a platform with millions of followers. It just makes no Please. sense. I'm, I have 12,000 on you, YouTube and I'm scared out of my mind to say the wrong thing or on Twitter, you know? Uh, yeah, but you want a license. Like you want a licensing process and we don't even have that. It's hard. <laughs> A fucking driver's license, and it is a gun in this town. You think that every stand up against an internet license? That's yeah. just gonna happen. So good luck to you. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. Uh, how is uh, Catherine been dealing with everything? Is she is she just kind of rolling with it, or is she nervous or scared about anything going on on your side? Uh, no, I mean she's concerned, you know, with the shop and everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah trying to figure out how to, it's like online only. There's no contact within, they have a separate, you know, area set up outside for you take out, but you have right. to do it online. And so there's no interaction with people coming in and just trying. Yeah. It's, it's just, you have to though, because if one employee gets sick, now everybody's suspect you go down. Right. Um, so is it just, is it just a, like you, you, you walk up, say your name, they give you the pizza, you walk away. That's it. Right. It's, there's no, some along those lines. Yeah. There's no credit card receipt to sign. There's no credit card to put in. There's nothing right. like everything is kept. Doors are shut and you're outside and there's a canopy set up. If it starts raining or something like that. And uh, you can hang out under there. They're, you know, yeah. but people got to eat. Yeah. So, and they haven't had any cases down there yet. So if they're, you know, this protective and preventative now hopefully it just maintains and yeah on other restaurants just flat out shut down so yeah yeah I, i've seen some around here that have already shut down they can't a little more of the higher end ones that are not going to be you know delivering too much or, or or be required to deliver too much and i also think like we're americans we're not going to go 
and just cook every meal. Like we're just not built to do it for every meal. We like the idea of being able to have somebody else do it for us because we're yeah. tired or we're busy or what have you. So I think those patterns aren't going to go away. So it's good to certain places stay open and what have you. And yeah, the other day, like I went and got something. Oh yeah. I ordered Subway. Like I think you, cause you can't just walk in there and order it. You have to order online. So it's weird to order online, walk into a Subway, grab it off the counter and you're done. It's such a weird experience uh, overall. Mm. So, you know, uh, and uh, to, to, to go order stuff, some people were saying like some restaurants are like, don't have enough to go order supplies. Is that something that they all just adapted to? And we're like, okay, we got to order extra stuff just in case or what have you, or has it just been kind of standard, easy flow the whole time? Uh, from what I've heard, vendors are basically tamping that down because they have access to all that stuff. So that nobody oh, can afford that way they can ensure that everybody gets it. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, who knows? I'm sure somebody out there is managing to afford something. It's inevitable. Yeah. Have you been out to the markets? Yeah. I had to go yesterday. There was a one-in-one-out policy at Trader Joe's. I said, F that. There was a one-in-one-out policy at Ralph's. I said, F that. Yeah. I tried a couple others, and then I said, screw it. I'm driving to Walmart, and Walmart was like, come on, come on. <laughs> Everybody, come on in. I'm not even kidding. They had two tables set up outside of guys <laughs> taking petitions for stem cell research. And you're like, <laughs> I'm not fucking touching that pin if you gave me a million dollars. And he's like, oh, you know, he was offended. I was like, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're at Walmart, bro. You're at Walmart, bro. I'm not signing that. Doesn't matter. You're the only people out soliciting touch, contact openly. You're the only ones. It's not happening. It's not because people are inevitably touch you and just, no. That's brilliant. (laughs) Everybody else. I'm not even kidding. One out, one out, one in, one out. It's like a foul club. Yeah. That's it makes sense because otherwise they get too packed in the aisles and then you violate the six feet. Yeah. Yours is getting their their employees are getting hazard pay. Well, let me ask you something. Do you what do you think the toilet paper thing is all about? Everyone's been asking this question. What is it just this feeling of security? Is it is or, or were they trained by seeing it in other movies? What is the toilet paper obsession all about? I don't know. I don't you just assume it's herd mentality? Yeah, you think? Like everyone's just like, well, if they're doing it, I need to grab a whole stack and a yeah. whole yeah, yes. Yeah. Once it seems, you know, so it just seems like pure. Once you see enough people do it, the wave of momentum of even this violates, you know, your understanding, your logic. It's maybe they maybe they see something I don't. Yeah. From day one, every every indicator is like this isn't fucking dysentery or cholera. <laughs> Going to be shitting out your insides just nonstop. So no, it's quite the opposite. It's that you yeah. can't breathe. And everything staying inside your body, it's quite the opposite. The other, I went to Target to – I had to drove all the way down to this one on Jefferson Davis or Jefferson Street or whatever's down there, uh, kind of hidden away a little bit. And I got in there at like 9 o'clock, no problem. And the way they did the um, toilet paper was they stacked it all in the fitting rooms because no one's going in there to, to, to try on clothes and shit and now. So they – and they, they rolled out like the – this is all that we have. Uh, so pick one and we'll tell you if it's in stock in the back behind us or not. So people were in line and they only got one uh, one container or whatever. And then they they left. They, they no longer could take like three or four. And now Costco is saying that you can't return your excess toilet paper because it, just in case you have the virus, it's been in your house. So there's no way they're taking that back or sanitizer. And I thought it was brilliant. And now you're stuck yeah. with it now. Yeah. 
Well, it's like that guy in Tennessee that hoarded all the uh, the hand sanitizer oh, yeah. and all the products. And then he did this woe is me like, ma, people are mean about me trying to profit on a pandemic. So then the law came in and then suddenly he, he charitably donated them. Yeah. Some fucking foundation and be like, I think the public shame and him donating is enough punishment. Well, why are you doing a New York Times article? Like, why are you being the subject of a New York Times? What did you think that people were going to be like? Oh, that feel bad for him. Exactly. Buy some hand sanitizer from him and help us. So we all publicly ridicule him. He donated it all, and he loses the money that he invested. I'm fine with that as punishment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. He'll be remembered as. Oh, you remember the pandemic? The dude that tried to profit off of all forever. Yeah, it's that's totally worth it. It's totally 14, worth it. Fourteen hundred <laughs> miles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So, uh, well, as you see, as we talked about a little bit here before we started the show, a little bit of the, uh, the, uh, the coronavirus pandemic talk, it's adjusted our schedule because, you know, those of you who are new to the show, you may not know, but those of you who are, you know, our regulars, you know that we try to base our topics off a new release. But unfortunately, all everything's getting pushed back or canceled or moved around or dropped on video on demand. So it kind of uh, we're having to adapt on the fly. And uh, last week we kept with the, you know, TV actors turned movie stars, but this week we kind of thrown a, you know, kind of called an audible Matt reached out and he's like, why don't we do top 10 Meryl Streep movies? And although this is brilliant because some of the fans have kind of, uh, kind of called us out a little bit for not having more female based uh, top 10 lists. And I think this is a, a smart uh, decision at this point. Um, yeah. It's just, it felt like, why well, how have we not done a Meryl yeah. at this point? Uh, right. After all this time. Well, I, I think it's because we so rarely do actors top tens. It's, you know, it's happened, but over the course of five years, it hasn't happened all that often. Right. Right. Uh, In comparison. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, like we haven't done top 10 of so many different things, different. If you're going to choose individual actors and directors, it's, it's almost infinite because yeah. you just keep going down the line. Guys that have been in 40, who's the best, like side character and in five or more movies type of thing. But Pollock, Kevin Pollock's in the running. Uh, Yeah, sure. But Emmett Walsh in that running. Sure. Yeah, there's enough. Harry Dean. Oh, yeah. Harry Dean, certainly. Always weird when he shows up in Avengers. It's always strange. Harry is a small ass. Great, though. Like, what the hell? Because by all accounts, man, he was one of the most chill dudes of his era. Oh, yeah. And he was friends with everybody. Everybody's got stories of like, oh, it was me, X, Y, and Z hanging out. So you think to stratify like of the Brat Pack, Brat Pack of his age, but it's not really that. But I'm just saying to, to subdivide celebrities, mm-hmm. there was another pack over here. And it's like they have a story about all oh, this one time Harry Dean Stanton was over. And you're like, oh, my God, he hung out with these people, too. And they hear other stories. and You're like, it seems like he was just so awesome. Yeah. Everybody liked hanging out with him. Uh, he's, he's number one party guest. You got to get Yeah, it's just really, yeah, just the, the best guy. He's so solid. I love Harry and just continue to work on that same level, too. Did you invite Harry? Because I'm not coming if you didn't invite Harry. Yes, you invite Harry, could be. If you're friends with like that many people, it seems yeah. as though it's one of those guys who's just like, man, I like it when he's around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we all have those people in our lives who's just like, he puts a smile on my face as soon as I see him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, but, you know, uh, so maybe down the road we'll do that. That'd be fun. Top 10 Harry Dean Stanton movies or top 10 character actors have been in five movies or more. But today we're doing top 10 Meryl Streep movies. And actually, dude, 
it's surprising to kind of take a walk through her career and see how many films you remembered, how many films you uh, uh, maybe were like, oh, wow, I forgot she was in that. And then how many films that are really some fan- fantastic performances that don't necessarily match the quality of the film. So that's was an interesting this was an interesting list to create for me personally, because also this is our own personal top 10 list that mm-hmm. also kind of added a little bit of a layer of uh, interest in, in creating the list. Yeah, without a doubt. She's had a hell of a career. Um, I know when I was going through, like, I tried to steer clear where her part was insanely small. Yeah, I agree. I felt the same way. Because she's been in some amazing movies, like tons of them, but it's just like, ah, her part was so small. Yes, she's a part of that movie, but it's not, when I think of Meryl Streep movies, it's, that's not one of hers that I think of. Right, right. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's other individuals in it uh, that I think of first. But anyway, so... But even with that limitation, uh, tons to choose oh, yeah. from. There's at least two that may make your list uh, that I haven't seen. Okay. Um, one, I know we talked about in the not too distant past, but because mm. uh, I think it was the only time it's ever come up, or maybe one other time. But I've never seen it. <laughs> there's one I refuse to watch. And if we get to it, maybe it's on your list, maybe not, maybe the honorable mentions. But there's one I refuse to uh, to watch based on a personal thing. Uh, and maybe we'll get to it later on. And a gripe I had about the Oscars that year. So uh, maybe it'll be on your list, maybe not. I don't know, but maybe we'll get to an honorable mention. So uh, anyway, let's kick off the show. Matt, how does the show work? Well, once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and show back up here after we've made our personal top 10 list. Mm. Do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Uh, All right. Well, start us off, Matt. Uh, All right. So at 10, I chose Iron Lady. Oh, nice choice. That's my number nine. Okay. Yeah. The movie's fine. Right. It's good. It's, it's okay. But she is magnetic. Uh, and she really does, to some degree, bring Thatcher to life, at least to me. But I didn't grow up. I'm, I'd like to hear a perspective of somebody who was, you know, uh, of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, did she really pull off the nuance? But from what I saw, of, you know, when I was a kid and then clips, reels, whatever the case is later on, seems like she pulled it off. Like, yeah, uh- I mean, having grown up during that time, I wasn't an adult, obviously, when she was in power, but I was coming into my teens when she came into power. And I was very aware of her and her just just her strength and her uh, uh, controversial decisions. You know, she almost put the entire city of Liverpool out of existence with her decisions uh, with some of the port stuff and some of the stuff with the dock worker stuff and blue collar stuff that she was attacking some of those industries, things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So she was trying to like make wholesale changes to the country of Britain. So to see what street kind of brings, which is a little bit of empathy and a little bit of uh, roundedness to the character so that you can see the motivations and see what she was going through, what she was trying to do, that kind of jazz. I really enjoyed her performance in the film at all as well. I wish the film had been as good. You know, I, mean, I know it's just like Lincoln for me. I know you don't always agree, but like for Lincoln, I think he's great. I don't think the film's as good as his performance. And I feel the same way here with Iron Lady. I think she's great. She has such like that accent of hers is so spot on for Thatcher and the pacing is so great. Yeah. Uh, but, but some of the film, you're just like, you kind of like take the easy way out. You don't really explore uh, in more complexity what happened. Yeah. And they also try and show more of, 
I think the difference between why I link, like Lincoln is because it's it's one moment in time, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to span the arc of someone's life or do a couple of decades, like you know, right. Thatcher with the now she's older, looking back, and then her rise to power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I I I like the just let's just choose a frame of this individual's life. Yeah, and uh, just go with that. Yeah, that's why Lincoln succeeds better to me. Just like he gets more live truly in that moment because he doesn't have to bring different representations of someone else. He just needs to represent them in this specific moment. Yeah. And easier as opposed to trying to grow into a, an impression, I guess, is my assumption. But I've never got it, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never played Thatcher, never played Lincoln, never played a whole bunch of people. But you know what? Fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. <laughs> No acting ability, never taken an acting class. This could happen. This could happen. Let's see how effective this pandemic is, and maybe they'll be looking for somebody with <laughs> skill set. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Nost as Margaret Thatcher. No. <laughs> as President Taft. Maryland <laughs> out. Uh, I don't know. Maybe out of this mannerisms are. You know, maybe we let's workshop it right now. Let's do a little character <laughs> session. Uh, I think. <laughs> I think in that instance, as what is it, Olivier starts with the shoes and builds yeah. from there. I start with the mustache, and then I grow outward from that. Yeah. I just want to play Teddy Roosevelt. It comes in every once in a while. What are you doing? What are you doing? I I gave you the presidency. Get out of that tub and do something. Bully. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, so what's your number nine, man? Uh, my number nine is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, great choice, dude. Great choice. She's, this is, I mean, so smaller parts, there are other movies where she has a smaller part. Yeah. And hell of a movie. And this one is, it's, they're all, except for Clooney's, they're all kind of filling in roughly the same amount. It seems like, you know, by and large, it's, it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I remember her like walking out of it. Uh, she has such a calm, soothing voice. Yeah. Really like it, 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 plays well against the frantic nature of Clooney's Fox in that, in the, the nice, like you can see that they genuinely have a bond and they're just doing that through voiceover work. And that's tough to do, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you're right. She's a calm, soothing presence. She doesn't really lo- uh, like lose her temper or scream or anything. And everyone else, like it's all this mania going on around her. And she is like trying to just be the solid one throughout for the family. Uh, and there's a great scene near the end where she kind of, speaks to George Clooney's character in a way that's like the, not only is our marriage on the line, the family is on the line. Yeah. And it, she brings that. And that's such a great acting moment. Cause you just, you feel that as you're listening to it, you're like, Oh, okay. I've heard that tone before in a human being's voice. I know what yeah. this means, you know? So she's great at that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very, it's akin to in last crusade when it goes from junior to Indiana. It cuts through the BS, but you can just that that could have been delivered as off screen, like or a, in an animation, but so compelling when you hear it. Uh, yeah, you can get the full understanding of the characters just from the, the inflections, the tone. Yeah. It's like uh, you ever seen basketball? Yeah, of course. The dude scene was like, dude. <laughs> and they just go back and forth. And there are numerous times when you can tell one says something because the other's dude is a, the, right. They're like, dude. And it's beautifully done. That's an actually well-acted scene in a movie. Yeah. Utterly ridiculous. It's like uh, that Meisner technique where you just repeat the same word back and forth to each other and trying to get okay. And you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
and whatever that is. Cabbage. <laughs> Cabbage. 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 Yeah. Cabbage. Cabbage. He's cabbage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So because, the, I mean, if if she was Fox and like it was a role reversal, I think this would be higher on my list. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, totally. It was certainly in consideration for me. I was looking at it and I, was, I remember just tapping my finger on and look at it. Should I put this one on? Should I put this all on there? But like you, I was looking like I'm trying to focus on the ones where she was really the focus of the movie. Okay. Uh, and I may have one where I don't where she isn't necessarily. I'm not sure. But I, that's certainly one that uh, I was like so close to putting on the list. And, and in the end, I just didn't. But it's a great choice, man. Uh, what's your eight? My eighth then is uh, Julie and Julia. Uh, yeah, that's a punt. Uh, this is a little bit okay. of a punt. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is uh, August Osage County. Uh, never seen. Okay. All right. Yeah, I saw this one. This is one that I'm talking about, like a little bit of a smaller part for her, but she is the matriarch of this insane family and the stuff she has to go through and they put her through the stuff with the, I mean, the stuff with the drugs, or like, you know, the, the pills, uh, the pills scene is great. Julian Nicholson, uh, Julia Roberts, uh, so good. Cumberbatch is in this thing randomly. Uh, but it's it's a, obviously based on the play, and it was supposed to be a Julia Roberts kind of starring vehicle. But Meryl Streep, man, when you're going against the great, you know, you, you, you're just going to come in second every time. She's so good and so yeah. sharp-tongued and evil. And, like, this one of those moms that you're just like, oh, my God, thank God that wasn't my mom. I don't know what I turned out to be if that was my mom. Uh, and it all builds to that crescendo where they have the conversation with her at the end of the movie. So I think it's just a fantastic uh, work. And it kind of is akin to that Devil Wears Prada character because she's more composed. This one is doing it yeah. because that's a family thing. And, you know, there's that one person in the family. Sometimes it is the matriarch or the patriarch who says the ugliest things in the most random moments just to get a reaction and feels yeah. like they're sheltered. Uh, by the, uh, that no one's going to hit them or whatever. So she has that uh, thing. And when it's the mom, it takes even more significance or has even more significance. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, who else is in it? You had Cumberbatch, you had uh, Julia Roberts, you yeah. had uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, Julianne Nicholson is in this thing. Okay. I, th I think Moroni is in this thing. Dermot Moroni, I think he might be in this as well, if I remember yeah. correctly. And I'm not sure if David Strathern is in it as well, but there's a number of people who are... You and McGregor, I think, is in it too. So it's very random, yeah. like all these people coming together under this uh, roof uh, uh, in this film. So, uh, all right, as I said, my number nine is the Iron Lady, uh, gotcha. and my number eight is Bridges of Madison County. That's the one I have not seen. <laughs> that I was like, I don't, I don't think yeah. I'm ever going to see that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Jeez. there's a few of those out there that I'm just like. Mm. Yeah, I gotta respect that, man. I've got those as well. I'm sure. I mean, what's what's it about? Because okay. it falls into a category of when it came out, it just looked like something that was made for people much older than me. Like, <laughs> I understood why it may it appeal to them, but I saw it and I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, so, I, is it just a love story? It's a love story. Yeah, because she's a she's a housewife. She's an Italian housewife in America in the fifties, and Eastwood is a photographer. And they just happen to chance upon each other while he's shooting something. And they spark up an easy conversation. And her husband and her kid are out of town for four days. They're on a trip. And so she has this time and she starts to, they start to fall in love with each other. And it's like, it's really like mature approach to romance. Um, but yet with that thing of like, well, she's married. She has 
a child, you know? So it's, it's really fascinating. The three, the film goes in three acts. It is their yeah. uh, flirting, then the full on mm -hmm. romance. And then of course the realization that she can't continue this romance uh, with this man because she has to go back to her husband and her husband's coming home. But like, what, what? But just the idea that the third act is she came to the realization that we all already knew that this doesn't end well. <laughs> See, that's, you don't do these things. And then she third act, she's like, can you fucking believe this shit? <laughs> but I understand it's a natural yeah. human reaction. Right. So. And people, and people do like, if they're on unhappy marriages, I'm sure there are a lot of stories, Matt, that are never going to be uttered or told by people in unhappy marriages or relationships who like spin off into a three or four day kind of affair or whatever. And they like ha just got it out of their system and they come back to their partner and they're just like they never tell the story. But they also either one realize that they can never kind of walk away from their partner or B, maybe reappreciate their partner in a way, uh, but they got to taste like this joy one more time of being wanted, of being flirted with, of the process of romance, because that gets lost sometimes in relationships. People just kind of you know, keep doing their lives. They forget that like a little bit of the wooing and the flirting and the dating, that's still essential in a relationship, you know? And so yeah. it seemed like, and I like that about the film. It's not, she's not like some hussy. She's not portrayed as a hussy. She's a very composed woman who makes this decision and it's a slow progression and they're mm -hmm. older, you know, her and Eastwood, you know, it's based on that uh, cheesy book. Don't forget the book, watch the movie. The movie's way more layered and complex and interesting. Okay. And so that, that's why it's, it's not just like, Oh, old people getting together. No, there's like actually real conversations about everything and about life and about nature. Cause he's a nature photographer. So there's a lot of interesting things that go on and, uh, as their relationship develops. So, you know, okay. Well, then, actually that, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, give it give it half an hour. If you don't like it, you can always... You well, it came out what? Like 1990? 95? Something like that. I think. Really? That late? I think so, yeah. I think okay. so. All right, so I would have been like 15, 16. Yeah, so it makes sense that you'd be like, I'm not watching no old people getting together. Yeah, I, but I, I thought I was even younger than that. I thought I was closer to like 12, 11. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, it's, not, it's 95. Yeah, 95. Two hours and 15 minutes. So strap in if you're going to watch it. <laughs> fair enough all right maybe maybe one day well the reason i put it also after i described it, the reason i put it is her performance is really fantastic and no perfect and her italian accent is really good i mean this woman is incredible with accents uh and the, the i don't know just the quiet Jeez. it's a lot of this stay in <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. i like are you clint ah, you have a good looking uh, I, I brought that up on the show after having gone there and somebody, a few people reached out from Italy and was like, we don't do that. I was like, I don't know, dude. I was there for a month and I saw that so much that when I went to bargain for a jacket that I now own, I did it to them. I was like, Ochenta, Ochenta, you know, just like trying to hammer home. This is what I'm willing to pay. Right, right. Uh, but we both, she started it and I was like, hey. <laughs> Well, if, you're start, if you're starting it, then I'm going it. Exactly. I'm not going to be the offensive foreigner, but you're for your fucking. All right. Um, I love when people reach out and they go, oh, we don't do that. I've spoken to every person in my country, I and I can tell you that we don't do that. Shut the hell up. It drives me nuts when people do that. You haven't spoken to anybody. Uh, what do you know about, uh, you know, you only know who people around you. You don't know if every single region in Italy never does that. It's ridiculous. So anyway. exactly. 
<laughs> All right. Anyway, she's she's just so good that I will we'll move on because I know it's a lower number. She's just so good and it's just touching okay. and heartbreaking and, and just really composed. And she's in control the whole time. And when she makes the decisions, it shows you the strength of a woman, how she can compartmentalize uh, her emotion depending on the situation. And, re- and remember, this is the 1950s. So the idea of being able to have a little bit of a fling, but then having to understand the responsibility. Divorce wasn't, you know, a thing that was looked, you know, easily upon. So uh, yeah. I think that brings a lot of uh, depth to the film. All right, what's your number seven, man? Uh, my seven is Postcards from the Edge. Oh, nice choice, dude. I'm, Lindley loves that movie, man. Go ahead, please. Um, yeah, it's so in essence, it's Carrie Fisher's story about her and her mom, Debbie Reynolds. Yep. And her getting out of rehab and uh, basically her mom, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> lush in her own right. Uh, it's such a weird, I can't imagine having been Debbie Reynolds, like one of America's first, like truly known pop stars in that way. Yeah. Popular culture stars in that way. Yeah. And the weird kind of pressures and to have a daughter who goes off and does her own thing. It's just it's an interesting existence between the two of them yeah. and how you deal with that. It, uh, it also kind of um, was a, a peek behind the curtain as to Carrie Fisher and like how she was actually, you know, she was a script doctor here in Hollywood. She could do other things. She wrote this book and the book did well and they turned it into a movie, but uh, you know, she was a multi-talented, multifaceted uh, performer. She could do all kinds of artists rather. She could do yeah. all different stuff. And so it's a tough bill because you already know who the two people are based on between Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine and they pull it off. Oh, yeah. Who are supposed to represent, but they're not supposed to represent. They're supposed to be independent of them, but it is them. And to walk that fine line in even me as a kid, understanding who both people were, but I can't imagine like for my parents' generation when it came out to be like, Oh my God. So that Debbie Reynolds is kind of like that. And so was Carrie Fisher. Like, <laughs> you know, well, uh, a, a peek behind the curtain once again. Totally. And a good, a good bookend to that film is watching the documentary they did on HBO before she passed away of mm-hmm. her and Debbie Reynolds, like, like communicating with, with each other. And you're like, Oh my God, this is the exact same thing you saw in postcards from the edge. Debbie yeah. is very much about herself. Uh, and Carrie is constantly frustrated about that because Carrie has that instinct to make it about herself as well. So they're constantly battling all the time about this need to be the center of attention and what, that means overall. Um, and Carrie, of course, being way more, in my opinion, way more talented than Debbie Reynolds, because not only could she act, she could also uh, write and is a script doctor and she was a force in nature. And of course, Debbie sure. had that as well in her own way, but do the scenes in the movie. I mean, when Shirley MacLaine is, comes out in that red dress, uh, mm-hmm. when she does the stuff at the top of the stairs where they're arguing about her flashing everybody at the party, like this desire to make herself a spectacle, how frustrating that must've been for someone growing yeah. up. Plus her love life was a, you know, it was a damn train wreck, you know, getting involved. We with- all knew she, about it. Yeah, exactly. She ran off, who ran off yeah. with Liz Taylor and then divorced her, but then Liz Taylor dumped his ass for Richard Burton. Like it's just nuts, you know, that, that's the cliff notes version that I got by the time I found out who Debbie Reynolds was because right that predated my like existence yeah get that as like their fucking first paragraph on wikipedia and it's just like bing 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 you're like wow <laughs> yeah it's 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 that you know what a you know interesting all the different stories and having it for the first time followed and being tied into like the the liz taylor uh mm. all the craziness that she had yeah she, I, I don't know how do you make it out of that? How do you not flash people at parties? Well, yeah. true. 
How do you yeah, not objective attention? And how do you not turn to substance abuse a little bit? You know, just yeah. deal with it. You know? Sometimes it's understandable, to be honest with you. You're not condoning it. You just yeah. understand it. You're chasing the high of that feeling of yeah. whatever you enjoy most about it. And yeah, agreed. Yeah. What's your six? My numero seis is so it's because her part is smaller. You could say punt Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, that's my uh, that's my six as well. Kramer versus okay. Kramer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's she's awesome in it. Yeah, and it's an unforgiving role. Mm-hmm. Um, what we see of her is it's not likable, and for her to make the choice to be in it, uh, it's a you know, it's a bold move. Yeah. Especially because she was just building her reputation as an actress. Mm-hmm. And this is a divorce movie, which in, even in 1980 was kind of like not the subject matter of films. Uh, it was just yeah. becoming something you could talk about in movies, right? In the late 70s, you had some of the Cassavetti stuff. You had some of this other stuff talking about the idea of divorce, right? You had sexual exploration. But the 80s is where you kind of started to see what divorce was doing to people's families, you know, with ordinary people. And then into this situation with Kramer versus Kramer. And as much as Hoffman stands out in the movie, it is your own journey with her character because she's initially like, Oh, I need to go find myself. And then comes back and it's like, wait, you're going to try to take the child now. Fuck yeah. you. So you go for 18 months or two years or whatever. Yeah. 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 You're just going to waltz back in. And this is why. So the movie is different, enjoyable, and I understand why in the context of the time it came out, it was so kind of uh, revered and yeah. still is. But it's to look at, at that time, the misconception or the conception was, the popular conception, actually but more than likely what the numbers bear out, most men left. They were the ones that fleed. Right. Good so point. To do the, the inverse of that and to show it from the rare father's perspective, like even the kid keeps saying all the mommies do this early on because he's the only dad. So he has a singular existence within this. Right. So not only to tell a divorce story, but to tell the one that is affects only the smallest portion. Right. Uh, on the one hand, is super interesting. And on the other, it's in essence like the impossible. It's just like you managed to focus on the, the four white people in Southeast Asia and told this horrific story from their perspective. <laughs> All the single moms out there and be like, hold on a second. The one good dude gets a movie? The one good dude. That's a fair point. I understand both sides of it. I just like it from the to look at it from that that most minority of position to understand the issue from a context that you hadn't before. Was the inverse? I would appreciate it just as much for those reasons. Yeah, but choose that role to be like this. You know, that's why she gets the kid. The mother always gets the kid, and rightly more than you know, more often than not, it's the no brainer choice. I'm sure to this to this day. Uh, Hopefully, those numbers are started to, you know, level out, but yeah, who knows? I, I'm not part of that system. That's not a, a fucking societal pandemic that I'm worried about <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yes. There's another one that's looming. That are more important right now. Why does it look like it's all, see, it's cloudy at my house, but if I do yeah. that, washes out, that looks really terrible. Yeah. That's what I have lights. I, I bought box lights, you know, cause I've been doing this for now two months. So slowly, but surely I start to figure it out. People give me advice. So it's still, I don't like the way it shines on my forehead too much, but it it's the best look right now for what I have in the room. Plus having cream colored walls doesn't help, man. I like your brick thing behind you. That's good. I like that the horns are coming out of your head though. Oh, I, I didn't even notice that. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little art deco piece. I know. It's a cool piece, man, but I like that the horns come out. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I will try. And move. I will not yeah, move there it from is. right Perfect. there. I will not move from right there. Head. 
stationary. <laughs> this is comfortable, by the way. Oh, I feel I just moved it. Oh, there you anyway, go. Those, how those are we? <laughs> huh? How's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> anyway, no, you should totally go out as much as possible. <laughs> go work out in front of a group of people. Go work out. <laughs> Please. Yeah. The best thing to do is to sneeze right onto the equipment. Because the mucus helps suffocate the virus that's already on and you're doing us all a favor. Please, you're doing us all a favor. Yes, Please. yes you're helping the situation at <laughs> Uh, yeah. So there you go. All right. So that's Matt's number six. Uh, for those of you who are listening on the podcast, uh, you can go back. You, missed. you can go and find YouTube it on our YouTube channel. It. Yeah. Around the 43 minute mark. I was thinking about this. Do they, uh, does this company have an app? Because maybe I live stream within our live stream next week. And I give that <laughs> just over here on my phone. I, I've got to stand for it. I can set it up right there. You never know. Uh, I think I well, I I don't know if you can live stream because I tried to live stream off the iPhone. They're like, please don't do it off the iPhone. Please do it off your laptop or your computer. So I don't know if you can, but I'm sure there's something. I just discovered that or people told me about that Zoom app where you can actually have conference calls with people and everyone's in there at the same time, like 10 people at the same time. It's really weird. So uh, mm-hmm. people people adapt, man. People adapt. Um, all right. So that was your, your number six. six. Right. That was my number six as well. So my number seven is Silkwood. Oh, that's a pun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair. Fair. All right. What's your number five? Well, before we get to my five, oh, yeah. for our audio listeners, we're going to take a quick break. But for the video, just enjoy us staring at the camera for a couple seconds. All right. We are back. Woo! Beautiful as ever for the <laughs> video uh, watchers. I, we hope you enjoyed that uh, three seconds of just gorgeousness. Yeah. My number five is defending your life. Oh, man. You don't have any idea how much I wanted to put that on this list because it's my personal list and I love that movie. So but why in, didn't the you... end, in the end, because I just kind of think these other performances carry more weight to them. So I okay. didn't. But she's so good in this movie, dude. And this is one of those quiet 80s films that nobody talks about and is brilliant. Well, it's, it's in the rare uh, of her movies that have distinct rewatchability to me. Right. So uh, a number of hers who are just like, I love the performances. Like, I don't know how many times I can go back and watch, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and it's nothing against her. It's just like, that was an experience. Like other movies that we're going to get to, it was right. experience and one that I lived. And just like, that was a re- really good movie. It was important. It was interesting. It was beautiful. Uh, I, you know, I know I, I'll see it maybe again at some point. Type yeah. of thing. Um. But this one has, because of Albert Brooks, and if you like Albert Brooks, it's, it's just, it's him, at, you know, he's limitless at this point. Yeah, it's Pete Brooks. off of him so well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, he's in purgatory, and he needs to get on the fucking people mover, the tram thing, to get over to heaven. And she's like, she already knows she's golden, so everybody kind of has to go through this little way station. So he has to get, in essence, an angel lawyer type of thing. And plead his case as to why he doesn't get that done that stay in this purgatory. It's an interesting concept for an idea. Oh my God. It's a brilliant. I, I remember watching it and I was like, this is genius. Mm-hmm. This is absolute genius. Because from the beginning, the way he dies playing the Barbara Streisand Broadway album, genius. And this is 91. I, I thought it was late 80s, but it's actually 91. But then when he goes into the afterlife, like just that he is the most put upon person because everyone else 
is like just has an easier road to where they're going. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I'm, I just remember nine days, nine days, nine days in the sushi restaurant. All of the idea of what a purgatory could be like, uh, and then what he actually uh, like you has to discover about himself and yeah. has to get past. And to go revisit like the 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 stories of his life and how he's shaped. It's it's a subtly brilliant film about how we construct our own narratives and excuse our behaviors because of other things that happened to us when we were younger. We default to that kind of thing. Uh, but in the end, like it's the message of what they're trying to say at the end is the whole reason for the movie. And I think it's just perfect. And Rip Torn is yeah. great. He is. He's awesome. It was part of the run of God. I love Rip Torn. You know, yeah. Show plus this. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, when I was younger watching Larry Sanders for the first time, he was my favorite part. I wish he was in it more. Oh yeah. I haven't, I've only seen bits and pieces since I even like actually sat down to rewatch the Larry Sanders show. But anyway, um, yeah. Defending the life is, is awesome because of the rewatchability of it. That law, you know, I always like that on a list whenever yeah. we're getting down to, you know, personal choices, obviously. Uh, so it lands at number five for me. What do you got? I totally respect it, dude. Uh, my number five is uh, Julia and Julia. So the, the punt from okay. earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just fell in love with this movie, man. I went to see it with uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, and we went to see it at the Ampass at an outdoor screening. The uh, uh, the uh, Oscars uh, uh, place over there on, what is it on? Oh, on Vine. On Vine. They used to show, on the summer, they'd show films uh, outdoors on the th- in the theater. And so... Uh, oh, okay. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did little things there. And so we went and saw it. And I just remember like, damn, this is actually a really, really good movie. And then every subsequent time I've watched it, I've really enjoyed her performance. I mean, Julia Child. I mean, Margaret Thatcher is certainly a difficult one to do. But Julia yeah. Child, especially on the heels of Aykroyd's, you know, like lampooning of her on SNL, to try to walk that uh, kind of narrative of a person who's very outlandish in their voice and in their demeanor. Uh, <laughs> she does it so well. But you know what's interesting about Julie Child, even as a kid? Yeah. Because that seemed so genuine, I always, it was always, I was impressed on some, because yeah. you're like, man, that is, that's lived. That's, that's kind of, that is not a character. This isn't some put upon, like, she talks like this. This is her, you know, affectations and whatnot. Uh, yeah. It's, it's tough to pull off. Um, yeah, she's good in this, and so is Amy, Amy Adams. Right. And the right. flip side of the girl that wants to make all the recipes. So it's the duality of the stories, child going through uh, a French culinary school and whatnot, and basically graduating, becoming an author, to uh, Amy Adams in the doldrums of her job, decides to kind of do this offhandedly and creates a blog. So that tells you how dated it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but people pick up, and there's a story in the New York Times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's about the, the you know, the layered story between the two and the parallels. Uh, well, also, also, if you want to look at it, like if you want to pull a little bit further out, it's, you know, Amy Adams uh, as a young actress trying to kind of walk in the footsteps mm-hmm. of uh, Meryl Streep as 
Julie is trying to walk in the footsteps of Julia Child. Like it, there's a lot of parallels in this, both real and in the movie. And I enjoy that about it as well. I think I thought Stanley Tucci was fantastic playing like yeah. the, you know, basically the, the, the supportive husband throughout mm-hmm. all of this. And you got to see her like really convey her actual feelings and emotions in these moments when, you know, these male chefs are trying to shut her down and trying to push her out and saying she can't do it, which is kind of so strange to think about the world of, of cooking at a time was like male dominated. It just, for me, I yeah. always grew up with the idea of women can cook, you know, this idea of women cooking. Yeah, me too. So it's so strange just to think about a time when that wasn't necessarily. When, when men were chauvinists? Are you? Yeah. What? <laughs> no, that's always been true. What? I just mean like, you know, with cooking, I just didn't think that was a realm that. Of course so. Yeah. It's, yeah. we're the fucking best at everything. <laughs> <laughs> or so Little known fact. Stuff. Whatever it is, unless we've already seeded the point, uh, it's ridiculous. But it's actually, and it's actually a well-directed, I think Mike Nichols directed, it's kind of, it's a very sweetly directed film and uh, the dialogue and the narrative throughout really works, you know, and so, and you get her struggles and how it mirrors. So all around, it's a film that I enjoy going back to over and over again. So it was either going to be this one or Defending Your Life. And I felt like this one had a little more uh, uh, effort from Streep and what she was able to create, so. Um, all right, what's your number four, man? Uh, four is the Devil Wears Prada. Uh, yeah, okay, that's a punt. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, my four is Doubt. Uh, that is a punt. Wow, oh, so here we go. Here we go. What's your three? Three is adaptation. Yeah, three is adaptation for me as well. Yeah, okay. love that movie. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a weird, it is a weird premise. From moment one, and they all pull it off between her and Nick Cage and Chris Cooper, because uh, that's what I took away, you know, from the movie. In essence, mm-hmm. it is utterly impressive. You take this bananas idea and uh, really bring it to life with fully developed characters from all of them. They all felt real, like the Meryl Streep kind of having this fling over here yeah. with Chris Cooper, and then Chris Cooper is a guy that's just out to save this very. Like he lo- loves this land type of thing. And Nick Cage is this, what is he? He's not bipolar. He's not, what is he, schizophrenic? Schiz- got schizophrenic, yeah. Yeah. Sees another version of himself. Yeah, the twins, right. Yeah. They manifest and kind of it's part of his, you know, it or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it I mean, it's about what, orchids in South Florida and one is super rare. Yeah. And- trying to save it and write a fucking book about it or a screenplay. I can't remember what he's writing. Because yeah, it's based on the book. Um, yeah. And I think it's called White Orchid or something like that. And everyone said, like, how the hell are you going to make a movie out of this book? That makes no sense or whatever. Uh, and they were absolutely right because it's not about anything you see in the film. Uh, except for some of the stuff with Chris Cooper's character and a little bit of what Meryl Streep yeah. goes through. But like the whole Nick Cage thing is like completely fabricated to kind of think about what it would be like. They essentially went meta in the film yeah. about the process of making the film. Like how would you possibly write a screenplay about this? And you're watching the, these two twins uh, uh, go at each other about writing the process or creating that film. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you get Meryl Streep and what she's doing. I mean, she is luminescent in the movie, dude. And 
when she's like high, when she gets high, that is the most yeah. laid back Meryl Streep I've ever seen on screen in anything. And you're like, oh, she even has that gear this late in life. We haven't even seen yeah. as an actress. And so well, well done. And then when she realizes everything is it's falling apart with her and Chris Cooper, like you're heartbroken broken to see her reaction to everything, man. It's just intense. Yeah. 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 I, it, it is utterly successful. And then the ending, just ending here in Los Angeles is like the process. You were kind of reliving it through him as it was already unfolded in real life. And then the fallout thereafter, it's anytime you pull off some like, you know, Seven Psychopaths is a movie about not being able, like being a block screenwriter. He started that script more than likely and just manifested this ridiculous idea of it and pulls it off. And that is a beautiful way to get out of that. It's another meta type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you can pull it off, it's impressive because you have the artistic endeavor of making a good film that is entertaining and also one expressing this abstract idea. It's kind of crazy because Charlie Kaufman wrote the movie and like Charlie Kaufman did eight episodes of the freaking Drew Car- uh, Dana Carvey show. That's kind of insane when you think about it. And then rolls into uh, Ned and Stacy, that weird uh, Thomas. Yeah. Never watched weird- it. Yeah. And then you get being John Malkovich and then adaptation and then confessions of a dangerous mind and eternal sunshine. So he had a run for about four years where it was like some great stuff coming out and then just kind of stumbles. Cause I, I didn't like Synecdoche, New York. I didn't like Annalisa. Uh, and so it's weird. I, like he, he interesting character, but yeah. Know, what do you think? I liked wasn't it. Wasn't it Anomalisa? Yeah. Anomalisa, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I enjoyed that. That was interesting. Okay. okay. But I don't know that I'll ever see it again. Yeah. Right. Um, is there anything else on his? Uh, no, no. Like after Annalise, there's a film, a TV movie called How and Why, and he did an episode of Moral Oral, which I don't know what that is. But now uh, he's it's got, an old uh, Cartoon Network show. Oh, it is. Okay, mm-hmm. he's got two f- films coming out in post production right now. One called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. It's, it sounds about right, and the other one called Chaos Walking. So. Mm-hmm. He's actually directing I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and that has Tony Collette, Jesse Plemons, and uh, Jesse Buckley, and the Chaos Walking one. Uh, oh, that's the one that uh, has been coming out with Doug Lyman, with uh, uh, Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it was supposed to come out. It's supposed to come out in January of next year. Okay. So it's, it's a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> that's your Bridges of Madison County face. I think that's what it is. <laughs> it sounds terrible. Yes. Just yes. on that description, that sounds so fucking convoluted. And pretentious, and yes. They're coming yeah. out in January? Not a good sign. <laughs> Not a good sign. So I think I might be right in my assessment based on that. It sounds like I'm just a, they threw shit at the wall to come up with this idea. Yeah. Maybe they pulled off. Maybe it's amazing. And I'm, I'll happily eat the crow, but. Not based on that. An amazing movie in January. Well, wonders never cease. Yeah. Um, let me ask you real quick. Did you see that uh, all the hullabaloo about um, that Imagine video that came out? Like all. Oh, uh, what, yeah, what, what, I saw. What, what, did you have the same reaction? Did you think like this is stupid, or did you think that they were like just trying to be sweet or whatever? What did, What was your reaction to it? Well, both both realities are true. Okay. It's it's cringy. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's more so 
the timing between seems a little bit off. So you don't get carried with any kind of melody. And maybe they should have put like something underneath to help it along because there are people that come in just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So it just goes on and you're like, this wasn't, you got good people, but you didn't execute. Like the final product is off. You got to so, give her props in that way. She did get a lot of big hitters to be on it. That's for sure. Yes. So. And, you know, she tried, but it was, I mean, it was weird. Something that should be a home run, like that might have been a squeeze through the, the fucking legs single type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you have those big names, you know, popping up in it. Just expected more, I guess. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. It was a little weird to see people's reaction. I was like, oh, that's cool. She's trying to do something. Yeah. People were like, Fuck you, rich people. And I was like, okay, all right, everybody calm down. Like her intention wasn't to shit on you. Her intention was to try to kind of alleviate you. And yeah. you know, all, all those people have brought you years of entertainment that you're probably going to revisit while you're stuck at home now. Uh, so she was just trying to bring people together and make you smile a little bit. But the reaction to it was immediate destruction, man. Wow. Without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. And like, shocked. Well, it's because people are frustrated with the situation. And- yeah and maybe they just didn't feel like your fucking message of hope right now but at the same time like that McConaughey 90 second one do you see that red light green light no dude oh I gotta watch that one of those things it's pure McConaughey and at the same time it ends and you're like all right all right Lincoln commercial it felt good you know what I mean people give him shit for those it's just like they're he's pulling off what he needs to pull off exactly exactly so why are we slagging off like it, it He's actually delivering good quality work for a fucking commercial. Right. It's commercial. Yes. Yeah. You know, the pain. Yeah, I'm sure he's making a lot of money and good for him. Yeah. Make all the money you can if that's you know your goal in life. Exactly. Uh, uh what's what's your number two? Uh my deuce is doubt. Oh, okay. So that was a pun from earlier. Okay. Because mm-hmm. it'll stick with me. Yep. Um I heard a number of these stories, and this was in essence, you know, a sex abuse scandal within the church, but set in what, like 1950s on the East Coast somewhere? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, you know, the Northeast, I would even venture on top of that. It's her, what, Phil Seymour Hoffman. Is it Amy Adams again? Yep, Amy Adams again. And uh, Viola Harris. Okay, is the mom of uh, the student. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Seymour Hoffman may or may not have had troubles in the past, and Meryl Streep is uh, the head nun. I don't know what the specific title is. And Amy Adams is a junior one. And uh, they both see these signs and whatnot, and it creates doubt within it. And Seymour Hoffman gets to have these great sermons that are really soaring and whatnot. But the ending of the movie, just to see the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church, because that's the fact. He moved on and got actually a better congregation. Yep. And uh, the cycle just will continue in a different city. Right, but she's so, like, she's, I think this is her first, like, purely evil role, because she is evil, because what she's doing, I think humanly evil, I guess, because what she's doing here is uh, her own personal thing that she wants to push forward, and this yeah. guy is in her way. And so she, in the church, where you're supposed to, like, be the best person possible when you're wearing the habit and you're wearing the robes of a priest— even in the church, there is evil and jealousy and pettiness and a desire and a frustration that you can't get what you want. So you're going to paint uh, terrible brushstrokes on a person 
for yeah. your selfish desire to achieve something. And she plays it so chillingly well, man. Like she is mm-hmm. no hesitation. Like there's no hesitation throughout the whole movie or what she yeah. needs to she do. She seems cold. It's cold yeah. and dead is the environment that she exists in. Like every yeah. time she's out in the snow, uh, yeah. in those courtyard scenes, it seems like she's just part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, like fits that environment to a T. Yeah, I don't uh, disagree with you. Yeah, it's it's impressive from all of them too. The thankless role for like Seymour Hoffman. You get to deliver these things, but you're playing a heinous individual. Uh, And then the innocence of Amy Adams of not really wanting to believe and wanting to assume that all is right. Because Seymour has the answers when they're looking for him. You just don't trust it. Yeah. That's the weird thing about it all is like, she may have been evil and right at the same time. And Mm -hmm. that's what's, that's what's so, uh good about the film is because you get caught up in that kind of feeling of like well um damn i i think she's wrong but then again she might be right and if she is right it doesn't feel good that she's using this method so you're just like oh all around which is which is good drama good conflict that sticks with you long afterwards yeah i agree uh that was my deuce mine is sophie's choice okay yeah i haven't seen it. it's one of those i should say I, I haven't seen it, so I, didn't, I don't. There's a reason it exists in my life as a saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, true, and that's what it became eventually. A saying. Well, that's the thing. This is one of those ones that's sorry. I'm gonna keep adjusting my chair. It's a more matter of comfort. Uh, Sorry, my horns keep one- falling off. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those ones that in the '80s you're like, you gotta see this movie. You gotta see this movie. Everyone's done. all this, all the sin of like the magazines I was reading when I was coming into like studying or not studying, but reading film criticism. They're like mm-hmm. Sophie's choice, Sophie's choice. So I finally rented it one day and damn, I was like, damn. So this is like an incredible performance with she's Polish, you know, and it's the Nazis and just to choose between her babies. Uh, her and Kevin Klein are incredible in the movie all the way throughout. Uh, but her like restraint through the whole movie uh, and mm-hmm. what she's experiencing. And look, Meryl Streep is an incredibly beautiful woman seeing her in this part and the way she plays this character and strips it of, of just all of the, the beauty is irrelevant. She strips it all about the humanity of what she's doing. And of course she gets the Nazi officer finds her attractive and like has to make her too. And you're just like, Oh my God, all of it, as it progresses, she does such an incredible job of portraying this woman's journey. And then when she comes to the end of the journey, it's, just so incredibly brilliant how she plays okay. it and heartbreaking. And so that's why I, it's one that sticks with me. You talk about sticks with, this is one that sticks with me all the time. And whenever it's on, I'll flip it on for like half an hour. If I'm flipping channels and catch it, it rarely comes on. It's not, it's not usually a, yeah. you know, a streamer on the, but I would have seen it at this point, if that were the case. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen it in a scroll or in a movie or like HBO this month. We've got like, you know, when they have those older movies that they're off. Right. Right. Or whatever. It's part of their catalog type of thing back in the day, but it's, it hasn't been on rotation, so yeah. I don't know. It's one of those, I know it. I know I should see it. I just just haven't. I haven't seen it. <laughs> it happens, and then you make a list like this, and you're like, you know what? I've never actually seen Sophie's Choice. That's so weird. Yeah. Did yeah. good. I don't know. There's a, I know the phrase, so it must be good. Yeah, yeah. All right, what's your number one, man? I wanted for me was Silkwood, your punt from earlier. Oh, Wow. Shit, number one, huh? All right, dude. I certainly can't well, denigrate you for that decision. It's a great performance, dude. It is, and it's also um, it's an interesting story about basically, you know, look, if if we full on just let 
you know, businesses and entities to their own or left them to their own devices, they're not going to do well by it. There needs to be some sort of oversight and regulation. Oh, yeah. When dealing with a company that's working with radioactive material, there needs to be certain safety protocols in place because we're asking these people to put themselves in harm's way. Mm-hmm. It's a precious, precious resource to all of us. So that shit's already expensive. How much is a little bit more to get them the correct precautions so they're not going to kill themselves prematurely? Right. And <clears throat> so it's her character realizing that they're getting fucking hornswoggled, you know? I can't think of a better, you know, what's a better way to put it? Then it's just like, motherfuckers, you boss hogged me. <laughs> uh, just like, you know, cutting corners when you don't need to. And the slow rise and the gradual pace and how there was a positive outcome, uh, ultimately, thanks to the actions of this woman. And I, I don't know. I've always liked it for the story that it was about, her commanding performance in it. Um, mm-hmm. It's early in her career, you know, especially to me. Yeah. She, and, and she can pull off something to where it did. This, this movie is 80% you. Uh, and it's that successful. Like, I've always liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I think it's one of the things that I've enjoyed about it as well. Uh, it's one of those ones where like, it got caught up in the mix with me about all these other, like, you know, there were a few whistleblower films during around this time. So it got kind of lost in the mix for me in that way, but you know, she's great in it. You know, she's struggling with what to do. Uh, should she be it's like most whistleblowers and this is the honest truth. Most whistleblowers are incredibly nervous to do this, but they have this, they're driven by this impulse that, like, I've got to do what's right here because no one else seems to be wanting to do it. I'm noticing it. I can't sleep. I've got to say yeah. something. And these people don't care because they're just going to keep doing business as usual uh, and stepping on everybody and using everybody because that's what business does in the long run. Uh, most businesses, not all, right, obviously, but most of them, if yeah. they could use people up and toss them right out afterwards and replace them with a younger version as soon as they could, they would because all they care about is profit. All they care about is their profit margins. And that's when things have to get exposed a little bit uh, mm-hmm. in that way when they're cutting the corners. And business would totally cut corners if they could, you know, and that's the shame of it. And seeing her play that part and as it wears on her and, and of course the tragedy that happens, you're just like, man, this is like yeah. a brilliantly well done film. And she does a great, and Cher's good. And I actually like Cher better Cher. in this movie than I like her and in mask than I do in, yeah. uh, in what, whatever, whatever she won, whatever moonstruck. Oh, moonlight. Yeah. Or no, yeah, moonstruck. Yeah. Um, moonstruck. I like her better in these other films. I like her better in mask for sure. Yeah. Uh, her part is so small in this. It's effortless, though. Yeah, yeah. Like she is holding her own with some of the best actors and actresses of her age. Uh, you know, having you know, if you think about it, though, with all the Sunny and shares, you know, show shit and whatnot, she's kind of been an actress for a long time, just not in setting. Yeah, uh, she's not, and she's not like overwhelmed by other people's celebrity because she's yeah. been a celebrity for so long. Exactly. Herself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it works. But anyway, so that's why well, it's my number one. What do you got? Respect. Um, my number one is Devil Wears Prada. I just think it's the I think it's the culmination of her build. Like, just it's an effortlessly brilliant performance from her. She's so in control of every scene she's in, and even when she is dressing down Anne Hathaway, she's doing it in such a way that is like I'm going to teach you a lesson while at the same time kind of shaming you into this place because you need to understand that the 
derogatory way you look at this is an insult on so many levels. Like the way she's able to play this thing. And then when she has to turn on a dime and do what she has to do to make sure her business survives and thrives and whatever, it is such a, it is such a color I've never seen on Meryl Streep. Just command every scene she's in yet still find a little bit of just shades of the vulnerability that make her human that you can attach to and enjoy. Cause obviously it's like, you know, she's, essentially a powerful character and everybody likes powerful characters in movies, but what is it she's yeah. bringing that makes it unique? And I think her, her actual knowledge of what she's talking about and her desire for people to meet her at that level when they talk about it, you know, permeates yeah. the film. Sure. Sure. That's beautifully put. I don't know <laughs> any better myself. Um, I mean, we both yeah. now watch a bunch of those fashion reality shows. Yeah, true. So, Perhaps this creeps higher on my list as it has even more resonance because I knew who the, the players, the Anna Wintour, yeah, that it's based on type of thing. Right. That was, I think, before I watched any of these now six, seven years of watching fashion shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know more of those players. They show up as judges on this and you find out more about them. I don't really seek it out, but it, I mean, they got a hell of an ecosystem, you know, on that side of the f- economy. Incredible. Are you going to watch that one, the new one coming up with Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum? Are you guys? Oh, yeah, that? making the cut? Yeah. <laughs> well, we, she's going to watch it, and I yeah. watch all those other shows with her, and we're always looking for stuff to watch together. So it's, it's an easy one. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, we just finished watching Dancing Queen on Netflix, which is this person. Good. She, yeah, he, she, how do you say? She's, you know, it's a drag queen. So I don't know if oh, say okay. he or she. Uh, I, I want to get the nomenclature correct. I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, he, he or she, uh, she is, she was on the RuPaul's Drag Race and was voted off, uh, kind of halfway through her season. But like, he runs a successful dance studio, in Mesquite, Texas, and so it's about how he's preparing these teenagers and these uh, uh, preteens to perform and dance, and how much of a hard ass he can be. And it's, it's fascinating, while at the same time maintaining. <laughs> Uh, her career as a drag queen and going to these places and doing whatever. And, you know, in Texas, in Texas, in Mesquite, Texas, which is just a little bit outside of Dallas. So it's just fascinating overall. It's eight episodes and they were engrossing. We finished it in two days, 45 minutes an episode. And the guy or the drag queen is uh, just an incredibly interesting person to watch. I couldn't believe it. She started it and I was just sitting there having a bowl of ice cream with her. And I was like, uh, I'll see if I want to stick around. And then I got sucked in the whole time. So, yeah, it's good stuff, man. There's, there's stuff out there. Yeah, that's a hell of a choice. Texas, of all places, yeah, to be an open drag queen and try and yeah. teach kids during the day. Yeah, and, a, and apparently they're a very well-respected dance hey, academy. Yeah. And he's built up for 14 years. And you're like, damn. So, yeah, good. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, for him and, you know. I hope everybody's happy, and there clearly are 14 years. Yeah. You know? those, te- those Texas dance moms, though, Matt, whew, that's a whole subculture, dude. No thanks. Yeah, I don't – I've never been there, so I don't <laughs> – like into that subculture, so to speak. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't uh, watch tiaras and whatever that was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And Honey Boo Boo, I never – I knew who, obviously, Honey Boo Boo was. Right, right, right. And her initial rise, yes, I saw that, but the – afterwards and whatnot no never saw yeah yeah that's too. too weird for me yeah agree that's a, that's a bridge too far it's yeah i don't understand the entertainment value so why would i watch like this is just strange 
Anyway. Uh, all right. Well, there's our uh, our top 10 lists, our separate top 10 lists for the top 10 Meryl Streep movies. Now we're going to put this damn thing together. I'm going to grab the bongos. I think they're behind me and bring them up into the camera. Uh, and Matt, uh, do you want to write or do you want me to write? You should probably, well, you got the bongos. It sucks. All right. So my fingers are going to be all up in everybody's right now. All right, you said you want me to write, or you want? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can do it like this. It's I love fine. It. So, Devil Wears Prada is one. That's got to be. Well, we both have adaptation at three, but okay. I would have one four beats that. Where'd I you like have that idea? Where'd I have what? Doubt. Uh, that was number four. All right, so we got a one four, a two four, and a three three. How you want to do this? Well, I think the one four beats the two four, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. And then what the uh two four beats the three three? Yes. All right. Both have what Kramer versus Kramer, Julie and Julia and yeah. the Iron Lady? Uh, and Silkwood. And Silkwood. Where do you have that? Silkwood's my number seven. All right, I got that at one. Okay. We have Kramer versus Kramer where? I have six. So one, I, well, I think one seven beats two sixes. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on Silkwood. That's a great choice. That high up. All right. And then we have what, Julie and Julia. Mm-hmm. So, and- so we have Adaptation, Devil Wars Prada on there now. Doubt Silkwood Kramer versus Kramer. We okay. got five left. Okay. Julie next- and Julia is what I have at five. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Um, all right. So then what? Iron Lady after that, since we both have it? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Well, that seems high for Iron Lady, don't you? Okay. Agree? Yeah. I have uh, Sophie's Choice at two. All right. Sophie's Choice it is. Okay. Um, what do you got next? Uh, let's see. If we've done Devil, Sophie's Adaptation, Doubt, Jill Kramer's Kramer, Silkwood at seven. So Bridges of Madison County at eight is my next highest one. All right. I got Defending Your Life at five. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that. That's a great choice. All right. Do we want to put Iron Lady at nine since we both have it? Yeah, I think that's fair. And then and what's your next highest? Seven postcards from the edge. I guess that's in because my next highest is uh, Bridges at eight. So seven beats eight. All right, we're done. Cool. All right, let's do this. The top 10 Meryl Streep movies. Yeah. At number 10. Postcards from the edge. <laughs> at number nine. Iron Lady. At number eight. Defending your life. At number seven. Sophie's choice. At number six. Julie and Julia. At number five. Kramer versus Kramer. (laughs) At number four. Silkwood. At number three. 
Uh, I don't know how to represent adaptation. <laughs> if you had another version of you come in with a beard on, that would be perfect. And then my toothless Chris Cooper comes in. Hey, man. At number two. Doubt. And our number one Meryl Streep movie on the top ten is. Let me uh, actually line up these horns. The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> well done, man. Well done. Uh, well, there you go. That's our uh, top 10 Meryl Streep movies here on the Top 10 Show. Thank you all so much for downloading this. If you downloaded it on YouTube or on the on the iTunes or anywhere you download your podcasts, you know, I hope you uh, are okay with us doing it this way because with the coronavirus, this may be the way we're going from now on. No, no uh, there is no this may be. This is the way we're going. <laughs> we're going for the next two to three months, more than likely, this is yeah. the show. This is the Top 10 Show. But you get to see our pretty yeah. faces again. And so in some maybe silver lining uh, and this whole situation, you do get us back on camera again in this way. So yeah, uh, it's kind of fun. And, uh, and, and we'll go from there, Matt, anything we need to wrap up and say? Um, well, so since we're all sitting at home kind of looking for any kind of distraction. We thought about uh, basically extending a show that we do for Patreon over to our free feeds on YouTube and on uh, anywhere you get podcasts, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, because uh, we, you can find us anywhere, uh, you'll be able to hear Topic Thunder now. So you get an extra show popping up at some point during your week. We haven't settled on a date specifically or on a day of the week yet, but we do Topic Thunders online on Thursdays. So m- maybe it'll stay on Thursdays. Uh, but anyway, so everybody will be able to at least get extra content. Now, the people that participate on that show are still the only ones that can participate. They, you have to join patreon.com forward slash top 10 with the number 10. But we figured if you want more content, we're happy to just, you know, spread the wealth around. We're all trying to, to get through the days, find something to do, do something yeah. different. So if we can help you with that distraction and uh, London, it's a, it's official at this point. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the, the, our state is on lockdown. Even if everything goes hunky dory, it doesn't mean we all did it in unison. So yeah. we're getting out of here for a while. Uh, it's just been a, it's been a rough year for us uh, trying to do these live shows with Houston, kind of uh, going yeah. the way it went with House of Blues. Or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, with House of yeah, Blues. Yeah, with with the back end stuff. Yeah, with the back end stuff. Kind of, we didn't want to like have you guys paying way too much for these tickets. We just thought it was unfair. And then yeah. we were definitely looking forward to London. We had everything squared away there. We we're going to get that 400 seat theater and like sell it out and everything like that. But unfortunately, with the coronavirus and people being restrained, constrained to their houses and what have you, and to their countries. Uh, we just didn't think it was the right move. And they let us know, you know, that it's going to be, uh, it's done. So I, I apologize to anyone who's bought, we apologize to anyone who's bought their tickets already. I'm sure we'll have refund, uh, stuff coming down to let you know how you get your refunds, or you can reach out to them at King's place and find out how they're handling it, uh, from there. So that's the situation. Unfortunately, but, well, I am heartbroken. I wanted to go back to London so bad. So it's, it's a shame. And, you know, Perhaps we'll get a date on the books once they open their doors again and yeah. figure out something for the future. But right now, it's just they're even further behind on us on shutting things down. Yeah. So systematically, it's just you guys aren't going to more likely go on real lockdown like we are if you do it for another week or so. Right. Uh, and then it just delays you opening back up. It's just not happening. Yeah. And they, they canceled their events, uh, I think, for the next month or two. 
at King's Place. So, you know, it's only an, it's inevitable that yeah. they cancel. Just like everywhere else where they were trying to hold on until it just seemed like there's no way to do it. Yeah. And yeah. you're going to have to shutter for a little while at the very least. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if, uh, we should be getting a link or something that we can send out. But if anybody gets it before we put anything out, uh, hit us up at uh, uh, online, either at Matt Nost or at the Roca says that you've been on the screen. If you're watching the whole time yep. uh, or, or uh, reach out to us in some way and just let us know, send us the link and then we can get that tweeted out. If, if you don't see it from us first. Uh, Absolutely. Some people, some of the people that already bought tickets got emails before we got the alert. Mm, yeah. Like That's finding out point. you got traded on Twitter, you know? <laughs> Athlete. Yeah, forms of communication work much faster than the traditional on occasion. Or the season's over and you're like, wait, I'm playing Twitch. I'm playing video games. What? The season's over. What? No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, yeah the, the link will be out soon. You guys are getting all your money back. And uh, we'll look to do this again in the future sometime. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it'll be Christmas in London, you know? Oh, I'm down. I'm always down for that. That sounds perfect. Maybe. I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing what London's like around Christmas time. See if they go yeah. full more. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have a Dickensian type of Ooh. experience. Yeah. I'm sure Top Jack hats. Go for that. Top hats and canes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Right. Hot cider. I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, anyway, anyway. All right. well, there you go. Well, that's our uh, top 10 Meryl Street movies. Thank you all so much for uh, listening or, or, or watching us. Uh, and you, as Matt said, and you see on the screen there, uh, oh, but for those who are listening, maybe you, want, you can follow him at Matt Nost. Follow me at the Roca says, don't forget our Patreon. If you're watching, it's right there, right above my head, www.patreon.com slash the top 10. Uh, please come and enjoy the tears. And as Matt said, we're going to turn that topic thunder into an on-camera show uh, where we're reading your questions. So come and be a part of that and, and and get involved there. And we've got plans for maybe another show down the pike here mm-hmm. for everyone else that could work out in a certain way uh, where you'll join us on one of these shows, which would be fun. So just something we're kicking around uh, and we're trying to kind of hash out the details until then. Um, all right. Any last things to say? Are we good? No, I think that's it for this week uh, on the top 10. That Everybody stay safe out there. Wash those hands six feet away. Stay in your house. Uh, you know, do all the things that you should be doing and you know, enjoy the content. And I guess we'll look for you guys next week here on the top 10 show. There you go.